Good morning, church. God is good. And all the time. Wow. That sounded good. It sounded like you meant it from your heart. They had to work with first service a little bit, you know. But bless their heart, they're here early. So I had to tell them to do it again from their heart. And they did better the second time. So, but you're, you're up and ready to go. So that's good. Ah, well, we are uh, continuing our series in the book of Psalms today. Uh, we began last week, the Psalms, Songs for the Journey of Life. We looked at Psalms 1 and 2 as our introduction. And today we begin looking at another Psalm, Psalm 16, Psalm chapter 16. Charles Spurgeon says, this is the Psalm of the Precious Secret. The Psalm of the Precious Secret. It's a psalm of trust and confidence in God that, that David penned, as we understand it, and uh, a song definitely of the journey of life. The, uh, the psalm starts by saying that it is a mitkam of David, and we have no idea what that word means. <laughs> Scholars have no idea as they've studied and they look at the Hebrew. And of course, there's some ideas or some guesses, but we really don't know what that means. And someday we'll get to, isn't it great to think that someday we'll get to ask David, what did you mean by that? And we'll be able to actually sit with David and listen to him and talk with him, ask him some of these questions. But we have this psalm. It's 11 chapters. And it is this confession of someone who trusts in God and yet, the word trust is never mentioned in this psalm. What I want to do this morning as I was preparing this week, I just felt that it would be best for us to just work our way through this psalm. And so we'll just kind of take this journey this morning as we start in verse 11 and work our way through to the very end. And so David says at the very beginning, verse 1, Protect me, O God, for in you I take refuge. David's in trouble. David's in trouble. Something's up. And we don't know if someone's coming after him, someone's threatening his throne. We don't know if, if he's in physical harm, if, if he's afraid of, of what's happening to him, if he's think he's going to die or what's going to happen. But he says, protect me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Something's wrong. And David's asking for God's protection. And he says in verse 2, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. You know, sometimes when we gather together, it's good for us not just to hear the word, but to speak the word in community as a people. And so what I want us to do before I go on with verse two is I want us to say this verse. Uh, let's not start with the, I say to the Lord. We'll start, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. Can we just say that together this morning? Let's say that. You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. Okay, now we've got through the rote action of it. Now I want to say it again and let's mean it from our heart, okay? You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. Let that sink in. You are confessing God is your Lord and that you have no good apart from him. David had a deeply profound sense of belonging to God. Of belonging to God. And before we go on any further with this psalm, 
it's important for us to stop and to pause and for us to really settle into the reality of belonging to God. Do you have that deep sense that you belong to God? Because that's the good news of the gospel is that the Father sent his Son so that you and the world might know that we belong to him. That you belong to God. And when you know and you understand and you believe that you belong to God, you can trust God. See, belonging and trusting are very closely related. If I don't have a deep sense of belonging to God, I will find it hard to trust God. But when I understand how much I mean to God and how much I belong to him, and I have that sense that I'm his and he is mine, then I will find it a little easier in this life to trust him. Because if something's happening to me, or I fear that something may happen to me, but I know I belong to God, there's a little more peace, isn't there? There's a little more strength, a little more courage, a little more, a little more hope. And so I want us to remember, I, I hope that, I appreciate, Bob, in your prayer that that, that somehow today, because we've met, that, that our, our thinking would continue to change, be transformed. Because I have a sense that, that many of us struggle sometimes with that fact that we belong to God, that we belong to him. Who do I belong to? Who am I really trusting? When life gets tough, who am I really trusting with my life? Who and what am I really looking to for security and well-being in life? You know, because sometimes, yes, I believe what God says, but sometimes when life gets hard and things happen, sometimes I just need to take things into my own hands and I need to do A, B, and C instead of maybe what God has to say about it and knowing that I belong to him. David trusted that he belonged to God. Belonged to God. Yahweh, a personal God. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord, and I have no good apart from you. He goes on in verse 3, As for the holy ones in the land, they are the noble, in whom is all my delight. David says, these people who also believe the same way I do, who belong to God, they are the ones who encourage me. They are my delight. You know, the Christian life, it is impossible to live the Christian life on our own. Impossible. It's unbiblical because we're called the body of Christ, right? We're all part of the body. The church is a people. When you read the Gospels, it's full. When you read the the Bible, it's all about a people of God, not just a person, but the people. And so the Christian life, this trusting in God, this having confidence in God, the, the being reminded that I belong to God happens when I live this life in community. And that's why being gathered like we are this morning is so important. You know, sometimes I have people tell me, well, pastor, I just, I just, you know, I can't get up in front and talk to people. I can't sing. I can't play musical instrument. I can't do this. I can't do that. You know, 80% of what this life is about is just showing up. Just showing up. Aren't you blessed that you're not the only one here today? I'm blessed that I'm not the only one here today. I'll tell you that. (laughs) But aren't you blessed? You may not know all the people around you, but aren't you blessed that they're there? It's about showing up, just showing up. The ministry of just showing up, that's a ministry in all itself. 
the ministry of just showing up because when we show up, we encourage people. You may not know it, but there are times when, when you show up and you just, you smiled at somebody, you reached out to them, you just shook their hand, or maybe just them seeing you worship God, encourage them in their walk. I've had that happen to me. Have you ever experienced that? You've had a hard week, something's happened, or something happened even just the day before, and all of a sudden you see somebody just surrendering to God, and in their heart you just sense that they were just truly worshiping God, and it just blesses you and encourages you to trust God. Just showing up and worshiping God. And we are so blessed in this church. In Calamesa, I, I don't know if you, I think you know this, but if you don't know this, we are, I feel we are especially blessed here in Calamesa. Because in this church, we have the very young, and I'm going to say it, we have the very old. <laughs> you know, I mean, and we have all in between. And that's not happening in a lot of churches out there. I'm told, because I don't get to visit a lot of other churches, but I'm told that a lot of churches out there are either very old or very young. And we have all of the generations. And that is such a huge blessing because, you see, we have to remember that the, the, this, whole, this whole God walk, this whole God experience and what God's been doing on this earth happened long, I know this is going to be hard for some of us to hear, but this happened long before the Adventist church started. Right? And sometimes we think it all started with the Adventist church. But our Christian DNA goes way back before the Adventist church started. And we're part of what God has been doing and his calling us to belong to him for so long. And so we don't just have our gathering here. We have, we have thousands of years through the scriptures of what God has been doing in the lives of people to encourage us. A cloud of witnesses, we're told in the Bible. But see, it's important for us, whether young or old or in between, our presence is important to encourage us in trusting God. And so that's why sometimes, you know, the younger people can see some of the older people and go, wow, God's been up to stuff for a while, you know? And it's important for the older people to look at the younger people and say, hey, God's up to something new. And it's exciting what God is doing. Now, it may not look like what it looked like when I was younger, but praise God that the Holy Spirit is alive and well and working in young people today, right? And that's what I love about this church too because the fact that we have multi-generations tells me that we have people who have a deep sense of belonging to God because it's not always about what I want but what God is up to in the lives of people. And so I understand, you know, sometimes, sometimes you know, things can happen in a worship service that may not be my cup of tea, right? But it's important for us to be with people and to say, your journey matters. Whether it's traditional or contemporary, we're together. And it's a blessing. Now, you guys are thinking, wait, Pastor John's getting on a different sermon. I don't mean to go there. I'm just talking in the spirit right now. It wasn't in my notes, okay? <laughs> it's important for us to be here and gather because we bless each other. Just the presence of being together, multi-generational, doing this together. And so David says, as for the holy ones in the land, they are the noble in whom is all my delight. Our journeys matter, and they help us remember that we belong to God and we trust Him and we take refuge with our, in our lives with Him. 
He goes on in verse 4 and he says, Those who choose another God multiply their sorrows. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names upon my lips. He says, I'm trusting in God. I'm not trusting in any other God or any other thing. I'm not going to trust in money. I'm not going to trust in, in climbing the ladder. I'm not going to trust in having everybody like me and pleasing everybody. I'm not going to trust in whatever those false gods are, whatever those idols might be in our lives. He says, I'm not going to trust in them. I'm trusting that God's way is the only way. And I'm going to be confident in what God does and I'm going to do the things God asked me to do. I'm not going to sell out when the going gets tough. Oh no, says David in verses 5 and 6. He says, the Lord is my chosen portion, my cup. You hold my lot. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage. You know what he's saying? Let me just translate the Hebrew. He's saying God is good all the time. <laughs> and all the time God is good. That's what he's saying right there. I'm just simplifying it for you. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. When he says my cup, basically what he's saying is the Lord is my destiny. His very presence is my portion. Not all the benefits of God, but his very presence. I've chosen the Lord is my portion. He is it for me. And I, God, I trust you to hold the lot of my life. He's referring back to when the, when the children of Israel moved into the promised land and they drew the lot lines and they had all their portions of where they were going to be and where the families were going to settle and everything. He's referring back to that. And he's saying, everything I have that's of value is, is of God. Because remember, it was called promised land, right? God called them. Everything started with God initiating everything and doing everything. It was all of grace. And I don't know about your life, but I know in my life, Anything that I have that's worthwhile is solely by grace, solely by what God has done. And yes, there are efforts along the way and so forth, but I've always loved, and I've said it before, I've always loved what Dallas Willard said when he said, grace is opposed to earning, not effort. And God has been so gracious in your life and in my life, and yes, there's things he asked us to lean into, but God has blessed us in so many ways, and David's proclaiming that. He says, I'm putting everything in with God, God is my destiny. He's my chosen portion. He's been so, so good to me. So I can have confidence in him. So how does David do this? In the rest of the chapter, he talks about some things that he does. How he goes about living this trust out. He says, verses 7 and 8, he says, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I keep the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Now this translation, translate this word bless, it's actually in the Hebrew praise. I praise the Lord. I praise the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart, now the Hebrew word actually is kidney. <laughs> my kidney instructs me. See, for the Hebrews, the, the kidneys were the, that was where all the seat of emotion and feeling was. You know, for us, it's the heart. And Dr. Bob likes that text especially, I think, right? <laughs> he always knew it was found in the kidneys, right? <laughs> My kidneys instruct me. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. See, you ever been in a position, now I know some of us came here today, and some things just aren't right in our life. We're struggling with things. Maybe it's a, a health problem, emotional, mental, relational, spiritual, whatever it might be. But have you ever been in that situation, or maybe you are, 
where there is, you feel like there's nothing you can do and it takes everything you have to do to praise God. And so maybe you just start, you just start singing that song. You start singing that hymn because you don't have anything else. But you start praising God, and when you praise God, something begins to happen. Something begins to happen where your vision, which has been like this because of the situation, this tunnel vision, all of a sudden starts to open a little bit. And the situation may not change, but there's something about praising God that makes you aware that God is there. And that you belong to God, and that no matter what happens, God is not going to leave you. And he hasn't left you. He's going to see you through somehow. And so David says, basically the way that I have this confidence and the way I trust God is that I praise him. And even in the night, my heart or my kidneys instruct me. But I keep the Lord always before me. And because he's at my right hand, I shall not be moved. There's some intentionality there. I keep the Lord always before me. David knew the writings and the scriptures. David knew the Lord. God referred to him as a man after his own heart. See, church, it's important for us to always keep the Lord before us. Always keep the Lord before us. Keep that scripture in your mind, in your heart. Keep that word open. Keep the prayer life. Keep that connection with God happening. We don't drift into that experience. Keep the Lord before us. Because he's at my right hand, I shall not be moved. That's the imagery of the right hand was supposed to be the strong hand. That's also the hand that supposedly would have the sword if you were in battle. Keep the Lord there. Now the challenge we have is that most of us keep our cellular devices in our right hand. <laughs> and I, I'm obviously being a little bit facetious here. But maybe sometimes if we had a little bit less of the cell phone in front of us and a little bit more of the Lord in mind, we might feel a little bit more strengthened. I think uh, today's technology is wonderful. I also think it's one of the greatest, and I've said this before, one of the greatest weapons of mass distraction known to humanity. (laughs) Right? See, now I start talking about cell phones and you think I'm preaching now, right? (laughs) But that's, be careful. I have to be careful too. It's easy to go down the rabbit hole when you get on that phone, right? Have to be careful. Keep the Lord always before us. Praise him. That's why when we come here to church, too, I want to encourage us to come and praise God. When we come to church, we're not, you're not the audience. I'm sorry to tell you if you thought you were the audience. But you and I are not the audience when we come to church. Who's the audience? God is the audience. God is the audience. And those who are leading are here to encourage us to praise God and to worship him, to come and worship him. If I ever come and I think I'm the audience, if I come with that consumer mindset that we can be tempted to live in throughout the week, I need to walk back out those doors and walk back in and check my heart because we are here to worship. We are here to praise God. And we come together and we we praise him. God is the audience. We give our praises to him. The psalmist goes on, he says in verse 9, Therefore, my heart is glad. My soul rejoices 
and my body also rests secure. My heart is glad, my soul rejoices, my body also rests secure. Doesn't that just sound beautiful? He says, my whole person, in a sense, is at peace. It is well with my soul. Maybe we could say that. For he says in verse 10, you do not give me up to Sheol or let your faithful ones see the pit. See, we have to remember that David knew nothing of Jesus. He knew that there was going to be a Messiah coming through, through his lineage, but he didn't know about Jesus and he didn't know about resurrection. This place, Sheol, was just a place where the dead went. It was this, just whether you're good or bad, quote unquote, this is where you went when you died. And the pit is the place of decay. And they all thought when you die, this is where you go to this place. And so David, in this situation, whatever the situation was, says, you didn't give me up to this place of the dead or let your faithful ones see decay. Little did he know that down the road, this would point to the Christ. You see, this is part of the great news that we have. This is why we come together to worship is because we know Jesus and we know that God sent his son and he died and he rose again and so we can be resurrected. And so the good news is, church, we have to be reminded of this because sometimes we live in this world and we forget how good this is, that even if we were to die, we will live again because of what Jesus has done. And so one of the things that all human beings fear the most, that being death, God says, you have nothing to worry about because even if you die, you won't be separated from my love. Even if you die, you will rise again. And so on that great day at Pentecost, Peter preached and he quoted Psalm 16. I want us just to visit this. Peter in the book of Acts chapter 2, we'll put it on the screen for you. He's preaching there on Pentecost and he says, but God raised him up again put in an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. For David says of him, I saw the Lord always in my presence for he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue exalted. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope because you have not abandoned my soul to Hades or Sheol nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence." He goes on, he says, Brethren, I may confidently say to you, regarding the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. And so because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses, Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Isn't it awesome that because Jesus came, you and I will not suffer the final consequences of death. We don't go to some place, Sheol, where just all the dead go and you just decay. Because of God wanting us to belong to him and told us so through Jesus Christ, we have that great news to know that death has no final victory over us. And David, through that psalm, was proclaiming God's faithfulness. He entrusted that 
And the Holy Spirit would take that and use that on the very day of Pentecost through the life of Peter. And the Apostle Paul later on in Acts talks about it in Antioch as well. He quotes Psalms chapter 16. But maybe just this moment, let me take a moment to remind us of those wonderful words that Jesus said in John chapter 11, verse 25, when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Even if he dies. Isn't that good news, church? And let me just revisit, just because these words are so good for us to be reminded of. Sometimes I think in our day in and our day out life, we forget how good we have it. 1 Corinthians 15, we're reminded. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. And I love this last verse. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The psalmist goes on and closes with one last verse. And he says to God, You show me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. God has shown us the path of life. If you remember last week, if you were here last week, we talked about Psalm 1 and 2. And how the Psalms will be encouraging us all through the Psalms to choose God to choose the law, choose the Torah, choose the right, choose, choose the teachings of God, for they are the way of life. And so the psalmist says here, you show me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Church, ultimately, God has shown us the path of life. And his name is Jesus, Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's why he invites us to come follow him. And it's through Jesus and spending time with Jesus that we constantly are reminded that we belong to God, that we are his beloved. He says, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. This is something we can never achieve. It's only something we can receive from Jesus himself. The psalmist reminds us that we can trust God. He has not and he will not ever abandon us, not even in death. We belong to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, no matter what comes our way or what we may be facing right now. And I thought it appropriate to end with a prayer uh, in honor of St. Patrick's Day yesterday, the evangelist to Ireland, uh, who himself was Scottish, <laughs> from Scotland. And this is part of his prayer. I love this prayer. And to me, it sort of rephrases Psalm 16 in a very wonderful way. He says, May Christ protect me today against poison and burning against drowning and wounding, so that I may have abundant reward. Christ with me, 
Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ within me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ to the right of me, Christ to the left of me, Christ in my line, Christ in my sitting, Christ in my rising, Christ in the heart of all who think of me, Christ on the tongue of all who speak to me, Christ in the eye of all who see me, Christ in the ear of all who hear me. I rise today in power, strength, invoking the Trinity, believing in threeness, confessing the oneness of creation's creator. For to the Lord belongs salvation, and to the Lord belongs salvation, and to Christ belongs salvation. May your salvation, Lord, be with us always. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that we belong to you. And so, Lord, as we are reminded that we belong to you and that you are our Lord and we are your people, may we be able to trust you. Because trusting you, we'll admit, is hard sometimes. It's difficult. Things come along in our way, and sometimes we, we question. And Father, I just want to give thanks to you this morning that what we do, who we are, things we might say sometimes or the thoughts we might think never change our status of belonging to you. And you showed us that in Jesus Christ. So I pray, Lord, that by your grace we would leave this place with a deep sense of knowing we belong to you and that we can trust you fully with our lives and that we may be encouraged that you will never leave us or abandon us and that even if death comes our way, you will never leave us or abandon us. In fact, someday we will rise again and be with you face to face. Thank you, Lord, that the lines have fallen for us in pleasant places. You are so good to us. Keep us trusting you, Father. Let's take a moment now just in silent prayer to talk to God this morning and enjoy his presence. Oh, things Yeah. Hey.
Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one our hearts adore. Now as we go, may we go with a deep sense of belonging to God that we can fully trust him with our life. And maybe this week there'll be an opportunity also to help remind someone else that they belong to God. God bless you.